the second Sunday in ordinary time. We talked about this, and I don't want to overplay it, but it is ordinary, not as opposed to extraordinary. Obviously, any time we get to gather and receive Christ in the Eucharist, get to hear the Word of God proclaimed, that is extraordinary. But the ordinary time that's referred to throughout the church year has to do with numbers, ordinals. So we are in the second Sunday. Next week will be the third Sunday. Well, the ninth and the 21st and the 33rd. We begin the first Sunday with the baptism of Jesus. We conclude the 34th Sunday with the feast of Christ the King. That, of course, brings the church year to a close. And we recognize that uh, we'll have our Lenten season and our Easter season in between. So it's more than uh, 33 weeks away, the end of the church year. But we will have all of those Sundays in ordinary time to celebrate. So in a way, this particular gospel, actually all three of the readings, gear us for an upcoming year. This is Jesus' first miracle, isn't it? And you can look at each of the sentences in this gospel and find ourselves illuminated not only about the culture of Jesus' time, but really more interestingly, the relationship between him and his mother, the dialogue that they had. It starts out by saying, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Cana is very close to Nazareth in Galilee. And it's likely Mary, who would have been in about her mid-40s then, would be considered an elder and highly respected. Certainly would have been well known by the bride and groom and their parents if they were alive. And she would have been invested in this. She probably would have been one of the ones that prepared food. Probably she would have contributed some into the kitty for the wine. And, uh, and we suspect that she was particularly sensitive to the embarrassment that this bride and groom would have running out of wine. You can't run out of wine at a wedding. It's probably the only social occasion that Cana had. And for the Bedouin people that lived in that area, that was considered to be a, a definite downside. And, uh, and the next sentence, though, gives us a little bit more understanding. It says, Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. Now, Jesus, in the course of just a week or so, had gathered some disciples to himself. We expect that uh, uh, Simon and Andrew and James and John, maybe even one or two others, were staying for a while with Jesus, which would have been in his home in Nazareth. And when they discovered he was going to this wedding, or at least was invited, wondered about maybe attending themselves. And, and maybe Mary would have been a little bit uneasy again, given the supply of the wine, but 
It says, when the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And I think we can probably assume the reason they didn't have as much wine as they thought is they had more people drinking the wine than they expected, and Jesus' disciples would fall in that category. And Jesus says to her, because it's a simple enough statement for Mary, huh? they have no wine. And Jesus, in something that's probably more geared to that culture, it seems in a way almost kind of disrespectful, but that's the way that culture spoke. Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. And Mary doesn't argue with Jesus, doesn't say, son, it is time. It is your time. Get started. No, she simply turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. She wasn't going to argue. He knew, she knew that he understood the fact that this was a difficult time for her friends, the one that she was helping with the wedding. And it explains to us, and we've heard this parable, of course. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus tells them, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. That's a lot of wine turned to water, isn't it? If my math is correct, six times 20 or 30, gives us 120 to 180 gallons of wine. And I have to believe that after the miracle has taken place, there not only is enough for everybody to drink for a week, but they can take some home with them. But of course, the miracle is in not only changing the water into wine, changing it into quality wine. The servants take some of the uh, wine to the head waiter at Jesus' instruction. And the head waiter tastes the water that had become wine without knowing where it came from. It says, although the servers who had drawn the water knew. And the head waiter calls the bridegroom and says to him, everyone serves good wine first. And then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. See, Jesus, as we know from, from the, the scriptures in the course of a church year, isn't real anxious to perform miracles. But almost always, the miracles he does perform are because his heart is moved with pity huh? for someone who's disabled, someone who's blind or lame or leprous. But in this particular case, I can't imagine his heart necessarily being moved with pity that a few more people didn't get drunk that day. But if he was going to work this miracle, then you were going to see quality wine. And it says, and it of course correctly states, Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana and Galilee, and so revealed his glory. And his disciples began to believe in him. Now, Peter and John, James, Andrew, others that might have been with him, 
were going to see much more incredible than this. They were going to see the handicapped and the disabled made whole. They were going to see Jesus feed the 5,000, see him walk on water, see him calm the storm. This was the first one. And of course, it had to make a positive impression on the disciples to have all this good quality wine available too. But in any case, this was the beginning of the time. And it was Mary confidently telling the servants, do what he tells you. I'm not gonna argue with him, he knows. And Jesus wanting to respond to Mary's request does as she asks. And I think again, it speaks to the relationship that mother and son would have had here. But also, I think in the same way that we speak about in weddings, a two become one, in a way our second reading talks about all of us together, all the followers of Christ, all the children of God, we become one through the Holy Spirit. And it goes through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, huh? talks about uh, the uh, prophecy and it talks about the wisdom and it talks about speaking in tongues and the various things that we associate as gifts of the Holy Spirit given for the common good. One person is able to proclaim a teaching in, in tongues and another one interprets it. But I also, even though I know that there are people out here who've had powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to feel that it's only these that are designated as gifts of the Holy Spirit that matter to a community. We certainly know here at St. James, we know at St. Cornelius and Cyprian, we know all over people using the gifts that God has blessed them with for the common good. We have people in this parish with a wonderful sense of hospitality good cooks, good in providing for nourishment for us and increasing our sense of appreciation for the parish community. We have people like our teacher that took the youngsters out for uh, their extra study. We have uh, teachers in CCD that are pleased to be able to pass on the faith that they value. We have people who are well trained in and maintenance and, and fixing and, and uh, that keep things running here at the parish. We have liturgical ministers, people who give out the Eucharist, who proclaim the readings, who are ushers, who are altar servers. All of it, again, gifts that we have individually, which are shared for the common good. So good teachings, especially starting out the year like we are, Certainly an appreciation for the culture of Jesus' time, the importance of the weddings, the socializing that's part of it. Uh, a wonderful example of the, of the gentle give and take between Jesus and Mary. And then, of course, transferring to our day and age, we, touched in our own way by the Holy Spirit, offering that for the greater good.